Welcome back, listeners. This is QOST, the soundtrack of your life. My name is Joseph Wade, and this is going to be a wonderful hour full of 70s classic rock hits. And, you know, we're just going to vibe out, enjoy the jams, and let me just take you away. Hmm? We are not going to enjoy the jams. We're going to talk about the soundtrack to FM. Oh, let's hit it. Hello and welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This is your movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans get together and have a rocking good time talking about all of your favorite movie soundtracks. My name is Joseph Wade. I'll be your host for this episode and every episode. And as always, here with me is my lovely and belligerent co-host, Libby Cudmore. Libby, Happy New Year. Here, Joe. It's good to be back. I know. We had a... a you know, holiday break, as it were. We just kind of decided after Buffy the Vampire Slayer, why even bother for the holidays? <laughs> <laughs> How have you been? I good. How about you? Doing well. Doing well. Had a had a good holiday season. I'm ready to jump back in to this podcast. And oh my god, I think we picked a, a monster. We were going to do this before the holidays anyway, but then yeah, we just took a break. And I think having taken that break and jumped back into it. Uh, that might have been a mistake because bikes on bikes. This was um, this was a lot messier, I think, than either of us really expected. No, and this film FM from 1978. When we first started this podcast, this was one of those films that was out there, and we knew about it. And we said one of these days we're going to get around to talking about it because the soundtrack is just that stacked. Yeah, and yeah. I've, I've had the soundtrack on vinyl forever. Same here. Yeah, it it was actually it was one of the first uh vinyl records that nikki bought me when we started dating oh uh, and I, I think it was just because of like you look at that soundtrack list and go like wow this is amazing of course you would have this in your collection not it really, really the knowing hits of the 70s exactly like not really knowing anything about the film but now we know about the film and who boy folks yeah i wish is, i didn't this is gonna be a rough experience tonight and we have a lot of ground to cover so let's just d- jump straight into it uh, let's talk about uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer right fast. Our poll, our listener poll from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we asked you uh, which of the four songs we picked was the best song on the album. Uh, and with 50% of the vote, the winner was the Divinals with I Ain't Gonna Eat Out My Heart Anymore. Yeah, it's a banger. Yeah. Tied for second, we had Susanna Hoff's cover of Oingo Boingo's We Close Our Eyes and uh, the Cult's Zap City. Both had 20% of the vote. And then last place, uh, CNC Music Factories keep it coming with ten percent. Uh, yeah, came in for that. Yeah, you know it's, that that song had its fans. I respect that. Uh, so after this episode, check out our Twitter account at OST Party, and we will run a listener poll for the best song on the FM soundtrack. That's going to be uh, one heck of an experience, folks. Yeah, that may have to be a uh, that may have to be a bracket. Yeah, we have to do a two parter at least. Mm-hmm. Jeez. So should I just go straight into billboarding school for this? Because we have to talk about 20 songs tonight. And I just I just want to get through this as fast as possible because there's lots of info we have to go through here. Yes. All right. Billboarding school. Let's cue it up. So 
so the FM soundtrack was released April 12th, 1978, debuted on the Billboard charts May 6th, 1978 at number 75, which put it right behind the soundtrack to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, the number one album that week was the soundtrack to Saturday Night Fever, which had held that spot for four months since January. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. FM peaked at number five, which blows my mind. <laughs> Purely, it, it must be purely on the back of like the artists and tracks on this album. Uh, it was kept from the top spot by once again Saturday Night Fever, Jerry Rafferty, Chuck Mangione, and the Commodores. That is the most seventies thing I've ever heard. Oh, it gets better. That's like aggressively seventies. It gets so much better. It feels so good to have to say this. I'm sorry, I had to put that in there. Anyway, uh, fun fact. Jerry Rafferty's City to City album was the album that finally ended Saturday Night Fever's six-month reign at number one. And it only lasted a week because the next week was uh, the Rolling Stones' Some Girls album, which hit number one, which that only lasted a week because then guess what happened? The Grease soundtrack came out and hit number one. <laughs> Travolta's just going to have that number one one way or the other. 1978 was the year of Travolta, Okay. <laughs> But FM lasted 24 weeks on the charts, uh, fell off the charts October 21st when the number one album was still the Grease soundtrack. <laughs> it had the number one spot from July basically through the end of the year. I've never seen Grease in full. I haven't either, to be honest. I've, I've seen like clips of the songs and that's about it. Yeah, and I simply, I think what it was was I heard Grease Lightning mm -hmm. and I heard the phrase like getting some tit. Uh, an age where it just like repulsed me mm -hmm. and I, I never that. went back. Mm -hmm. Grease is a movie that my mom loves. So I think I just, I know the songs, but I never really bothered to watch it. So it's no, thanks. That, that's it's a hard a, no for me. I, I hate to put to go the generational route, but that's a, that's a boomer movie all the way. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the FM soundtrack wound up going, you know, platinum. So, yeah, fairly popular. Won a single Grammy Award for Best Engineered Album. Don't blame them. Then the film itself <laughs> made $5.5 on a $2 million budget. So it made a little bit of money. But I, I did a little bit of research, found out that was enough to make it the 75th highest grossing movie of 1978. <laughs> slightly more than Piranha, but slightly less than Bad News Bears Go to Japan. <laughs> Wow. FM <sighs> was not a popular movie. No, it was not. And it was out of print for a very, 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 very long time. I yes. believe it just got a Blu-ray release. Yeah, just, is, just in the last couple of years from uh, Arrow Video. Yes, which is, I mean, that's, I guess, what you get your boomer dad for Father's Day. Right. Because I can't imagine, like, who else would like this. And Cards on the Table... I did buy this when it came out because I knew at some point we'd be watching it. And it took five years for that to pay off. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I watched it on YouTube. See, you're smarter than I am. And that's my <laughs> only excuse. You have a copy of FM. <laughs> Not for long. <laughs> that's going to be in my Christmas box next year, isn't it? It's just going to be passed around like some sort of like the, like the VHS in the ring. God, no. You know, if, if, if I can figure out how to ship it to Martin Mull for him to sign, I would do that and send it to you. That's the only way. That is the only way. Oh, right. One last note that I want to talk about the film before we get into all of the shenanigans. 
So the FM was directed by a guy named John Alonzo. This was his one and only feature film as a director. And, you know, watching the film, you can see why. But he was also one of the more prolific cinematographers of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. L- let me hit you with oh, some God. of the movies that he was the cameraman for. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, some, you know, 70s classics, Vanishing Point, Harold and Maude, Chinatown, Bad oh. News Bears. Okay. What about Bad News Bears go to Japan? Was he busy? He must have been. <laughs> <laughs> he was also the cinematographer for Overboard and Steel Magnolias. And Ooh, then Magnolias. in the 90s, he was the cinematographer for a little film called Cool World. Yes. <laughs> One of his last gigs as a, as a cinematographer was Star Trek Generations. The director of FM <laughs> went on to shoot a Star Trek movie. Amazing. But most wow. importantly, Cool World. Most importantly, Cool World. It all comes back to Cool World. You Somehow, some way. to Cool World. <laughs> this makes it, me so happy. Cool World's the center of our universe, and I love that. <laughs> I love that for us. We're broadcasting live from the Cool World. You know what? There are worse things. In the, there are worse things to do in the world. In this world, you know. That's true. We could be broadcasting from the station in FM. <laughs> Q Sky FM. Yeah. Q Sky FM. Jeez. All right, so I've talked enough. Libby, what, in a nutshell, is FM? Is Empire Records for Boomer Dads. (laughs) That's it. It's like the shit. It's sort of episodic shenanigans of the personalities at this at this radio station, Q Sky in Los Angeles, and then there's some sort of vague threat about corporatization and the army, and it ends with the them dancing on a rooftop and then a freeze frame. Yeah, that's pretty much Empire Records. You're right. Yeah, it's just Empire Records looked at this and we're like, we want to make a flop with a great soundtrack. <laughs> we're going to model mean, it on FM. Yeah, this this is the movie that you you based your your success on, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, um, but uh, Empire Records had the Gin Blossoms, so I'm not going to fight it. FM has Steely Dan and the Doobie Brothers and Boz. So it's it's a wash, really, is what you're saying. Yes. Um. FM was also notably uh, the centerpiece for episode 10 of the Channel 101 series Yacht Rock, which is how FM first came on my radar. How am I not surprised? Uh, <laughs> it came back around to Yacht Rock. It comes uh, back yeah. around to Yacht Rock. Actually, after I finished watching this movie, I messaged J.D. Risner on Instagram and said I just finished watching FM and it was the worst movie I've ever seen, to <laughs> which he replied, it's not good. And he is not wrong. So, like, I don't even know how to start talking about the soundtrack because, like, the plethora of artists on here is truly amazing to me. And the only thing I can guess is that, like, this must have been put together by, like, a record label. That's the only, that's the only excuse for why you could get so many artists in one film that basically nobody saw. Yeah, it was, it like Empire Records, it was a, I feel like it was the soundtrack first and then... A movie. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. It was it was a record, uh, sort of a film loosely based on a record. Mm-hmm. Um, but the but, 70s were fucking wild, man. Yeah, like, it's it's this era where, you know, AOR, adult-oriented radio, or adult-oriented rock, I guess, is kind of the dominant radio format. It's, it's either this or disco at this time. And... <sighs> It's just before our time, so I also I feel confident in saying it's not really for me because <laughs> it's not quite classic rock yet. 
And I'm not sure I'm equipped to, to talk more about that because I'm not old. <laughs> the interesting thing for me about this film is they're presenting a story about, oh, it's this, this station and it's all about the music and we're not going to let like corporations buy their way in. Now here's Steve Miller band. Like it's not like an independent station playing music that nobody's ever heard of. All of these songs were hits on the radio at the time this movie was made. Right. It's not even like transgressive or like underground rock. Like it's not, it's not even to the level of like the Ramones or, you know, uh, the, the like a pirate radio station out of yeah. somebody's basement. It is a large scale like radio station playing the hits of the seventies. Right. Like it's Tom Petty and the heartbreakers and REO Speedwagon. And I, I use those as examples because those guys are literally in the movie. Of the film is a Linda Ronstadt concert. Yes. Another te- like 10 minutes of the film is a Jimmy Buffett concert. Uh-huh. Yep. And so for these guys to be like, we're standing up against corporate media. Are you? Are you? The soundtrack came out on MCA Records and went platinum. Right. Like, so. this is not, it rings as hollow as Empire Records would in, uh, you know, in our generation. Right. Like, this is, this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference the Ramones again. This is not rock and roll high school. <laughs> this is not some kind of DIY, like, vaguely independent thing. This is a corporate product, if ever I've seen one. Yes. And it is a corporate product in the movie. Yes. And that's like what I think makes all of it so baffling and so bald faced. Mm-hmm. It's just they're not, you know, when they take over the radio station at the end, it's sort of like, you know, we're here so that we can play Bob Seeger for you. Like, cool. <laughs> I wouldn't get my Bob Seeger anywhere else, I guess. It's like, for me, it's almost like, and this is a joke for, I guess, Mackenzie and other upstate nerds it'd be like a you know radio rebellion around picks 106 mm-hmm. playing the classic hits for upstate New York like who are you trying to kid right and it's also it from from an era when you had like an entire staff that ran a, a radio station like you had no, the- that was baffling to me it's like when i watch movies where like there's a newspaper staff and it's not just like me crying at my desk right, <laughs> right. it's like you, you get the marketing guy you've got the, the secretaries you've got the security guys you get the morning dj the evening dj the afternoon the overnight day, like all these different departments but like my classic rock station in town, it's literally the morning zoo crew and their secretary. And I think nobody else works at that station. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> our, our our radio station sort of ecosystem is, is in a sorry state of affairs. Like FM terrestrial radio is like on life support. Yeah, ours got bought out by what Town Square Media. Mm-hmm. And it's just the programming's out of Texas. And they they do this thing where like they know I'm having a really shitty day and they'll play like nothing's gonna stop us by starship Mm -hmm. and then they'll play drops of Jupiter by train and it's like why are you doing this to me haven't I had a bad enough day those are the days I can't turn it off because I'm in the lunchroom right like those are the days when you really think like is the surveillance state actually watching me yes I think it is 
And like this fucking radio station out of Texas has decided to hurt me personally. <laughs> if I had gone down there today after my heel cap broke off my shoe and after my sock fell into my boot, like they probably would have just had an all day train marathon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I could see that. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like my day could not have gotten worse, but they would have found a way <laughs> to do that. 24 hours of Meet Virginia next on yes. whatever your station is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but it was funny because after we watched this, of course, my Yacht Rock friends out there know that the the episode 10 of Yacht Rock opens with Kenny Loggins insisting that he doesn't do soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and that he had also appeared... Uh, it was tricked by Jimmy Buffett off of FM into writing the Footloose theme. And so <laughs> okay. when I got upstairs to set my alarm, my clock alarm, uh, Footloose was playing. Wow. So I felt the universe was like watching out for me a little bit. Give mm-hmm. me a little Yacht mm-hmm. Rock. Yacht Rock guy. Coco, the god of smooth music, was watching out for me. <laughs> he felt bad that I had to watch FM. So somehow the universe knows. That's right. Okay at least wonderful so hail coco um but i guess we probably better dig into this stupid fucking soundtrack all right well i'm gonna let you take the reins because first up it, the way this film opens is like straight up libby's street right, right yes. up your alley so libby take it away yes this film opens with the theme song fm no static at all by steely dan mm-hmm. with an off-center title and a blurry sunrise let's go to a clip <laughs> don't seem to As long as they play till dawn Nothing but blues and Elvis And somebody else's favorite song Give us some fun And like for a hot second I thought Oh this is gonna be something isn't it Yeah and then I saw that the title was off center And I'm like this doesn't vote well (laughs) So I'm this is an amazing song. This is there a, are four versions of it. This is a great song, yeah. Yes. Um, this is the long play version mm-hmm. uh, that we'll hear on, on the album. But goddamn. Goddamn, this is a good song. That opening riff. Ooh, it just gives me chills. Um, and Roger Nichols um, won uh, a technical Grammy for this. Yeah, yeah. Our our friend Roger Nichols, um, who, for those of you who uh, also follow Steely Dan, his daughter found the closest we'll ever have to the second arrangement among his tapes. Hmm. So that was a big lost media discovery. Wow, nice. 2023. Um, it has been confirmed that it is as close to the lost version as we'll ever hear. Oh, so, okay. um, Roger Nichols, of course, coming back into Steely uh, Dan fandom. was their engineer for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and this song, actually, it's beloved. Again, um, back in 2015, the Empire State Building lights were choreographed to this song <laughs> to celebrate the uh, 50th anniversary of the FM antenna. Oh, nice. And that was the year that I saw them perform this song, which is probably why they were doing it. I saw them perform it at the Beacon mm-hmm. on the Rockabye Golly Angel Tour. It's my favorite T-shirt. 
of my Steely Dan t-shirts. Nice. Yeah. Um, and I just like, I lost my shit. And they so, started playing it. So you said there were four cuts of this song. How many of those are in the film? Um, Two. Okay. So we have the extended version. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also appears on the 12 inch single. And then there's the reprise. Okay. Uh, which is the B side. Um, the seven inch, uh, shortens it. It's the radio edit cuts down, uh, some of the vamping at the end and gold uses the full length version. Um, but the shorter sort of hybrid version, um, which uses the, uh, saxophone from the, uh, reprise appears on, uh, citizen steely Dan. So that's always the version that I think of. It's okay. actually the Citizen Steely Dan version. Right. And that's the version that I have digitally. Um, I have it. I have the 45. I have it on um, Greatest Hits. And I have it on the FM soundtrack. Cool. So I have several of them. And it's hard to say what I love most about this song, except for everything. But <laughs> having now watched the movie, I've developed a much deeper appreciation for it. Because... Donald Fagan is singing about a radio station, like wishing that there was a radio station that played funked up music and uh, hungry reggae and something other than what radio stations were playing. Radio stations such as Q Sky. So it's literally a song about stations that are cooler than this station. No, or wanting, it's about wanting wishing this... that stations were cooler right, right, right. than this station. It's... Wishing that this station was cooler than it actually is. <laughs> it's basically like this station blows because they're just playing like nothing but blues and Elvis and somebody else's favorite song, which is how I feel about this soundtrack for the most part. Pretty like, much. These are all somebody else's favorite song. Yeah. And I never really thought about that until I saw this movie and then was like, oh, okay, there's a great, wonderful dark sarcasm if you will and now um, see now i wonder did they catch onto that before before they put this in the film or was it an afterthought and like nobody really noticed um they called them up during the asia sessions uh and this comes from donald fagan in american songwriter in 2013 um they said there's a film called fm and we want you to write a song for it took them two days to write and then nobody said, hey, this is kind of this is kind of not the vibe we want. No, because that was the great thing about Steely Dan is they would write the most fucked up songs in the world and you would listen to them at the dentist's office. Like every Steely Dan song is about the most fucked up human being ever. <laughs> Steely Dan is so fucking punk. Um, it's just like, hey, 19 is about a dude trying to hit on a girl half his age. Um Everyone's Gone to the Movies is about a pedophile. Oh, great. Like, so is Janie Runaway. Um, Negative Girls about a drug addict. Uh, it's just like over and over, these like fucked up people keep appearing in their songs. <laughs> Chain Lightning is about people like recalling a Nazi rally they went to. Good Lord. I know. They're an amazing band. I love them so much. I actually have a Pretzel Logic on my turntable for tomorrow. Excellent. Excellent. I know. So, yeah this this song like it, I can't say it surprised me because I, I kind of knew this song already, but like hearing it in the film and, and kind of really experiencing it, like it made me appreciate 
Steely Dan more than I have because like you're the Steely Dan fan on this podcast, and I I kind of know the hits, and that's kind of about it. But it, they're all hits. I, well, <laughs> I know a handful of hits. Let me put it that way. And I just I think I appreciate this more now, having like experienced the full FM of it all. You know, so I get it. I think I get it now <laughs> more than yes, I did. We're also going to get to talk about Do It Again, which unfortunately we've already talked about. Oh my God, you're right. Oh, how could this night get any worse? <laughs> well, at least we're talking about the real version. Fair. Um, so, okay. Uh, this, this is a song about Steely Dan talking about lame radio stations, right? And how they wish their radio stations would play cooler music. Yes. The next. So then what is the next song that appears in this film? I actually don't know what the song is. It's Life in the Fast Lane by the Eagles. Oh, okay. See, my copy cut out watching it on YouTube. Like when he's oh. going into the office, there was no audio. Yeah. It's so, yeah. The, the setup is Cleavon Little uh, is Cleavon Little's in this movie, everybody. Black Bart himself. Oh. I've never seen him in another feature film. So this was amazing to me. But he's he's like the the night DJ. And he's the Prince of Darkness, and he's getting ready to, you know, cue it up for the morning guy uh, Dugan to come in and start the day. But Dugan's not there yet. He's he's running late. So Prince puts on Life in the Fast Lane, and you see a montage of Dugan racing to get to the station before you know his cue comes up. Yes. Now is Dugan? I guess is the station manager slash DJ. I think so. Yeah. Main. He's, he has a beard, so I guess he's the main guy in charge. Right. He's he's like dollar store Han Solo. Okay. That's kind of how oh, I think of it. <laughs> he's like the most generic looking seventies man. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Michael Brandon. Yep. Uh, and okay, so so we have to play Life <laughs> in the Fast Lane now. Do we? I guess that's the rule. Those are the rules. If there's anything that I I truly like I'm on the wavelength of the big Lebowski about it's a, it's that I hate the fucking Eagles. I hate the, I, the Eagles are my nemesis. Um, and it should be noted going back to FM briefly. Um, uh, that is, uh, the Eagles, Don Henley, Glenn Fry, and, uh, Tim Schmidt singing backup vocals on, on FM. Oh, wow. Okay. They needed some macho singers to beef up these ladies voices. Wow. Hmm. So that's an extra little layer where like Steely Dan is making fun of like corporate rock radio by using the corporate rock radio guys to sing. Yeah, I guess up. they use them. I mean, um, they had made fun of the Eagles uh, on uh, everything you did. Okay. Uh, uh, the Royal Scam. Okay. Turn up the Eagles. The neighbors are listening. Uh, the <laughs> Eagles, of course, made fun of them in hotel california you can stab at them with your their steely knives but you just can't kill the beast oh that's a steely dan reference you know i guess i should have made that connection but i never have that's wild here's this here's the thing okay here's what i'm going to criticize the eagles about so um one of the many things we've got a long night of me making fun of the eagles um this they did their like farewell tour um 
And Steely Dan was the opening band. Oh, man. Which made me really angry because Steely Dan opens for no one. Certainly not the fucking Eagles. Um, Donald Fagan ended up having to cut the tour short. Um, He had some health issues. uh, So I hope he's doing better. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Doobie Brothers filled in on some stops. Um, But this is how I know that the Eagles are not serious people. Because they... Steely Dan didn't play... Either it didn't play FM or everything you did. <laughs> and of course the Eagles played Hotel California, but they didn't play it with Steely Dan or anything like that. Yeesh. So it's like, you guys just don't fucking get it, do you? Yeah. Of course Glenn Fry is, is gone, so you wouldn't have the all the beefy voices to, uh but still, you should have brought Don Henley out on stage to sing FM. <laughs> You blew it, Don. So, uh, but uh, "Life in the Fast Lane" is another Eagles song that they play all the time, and I hate it's just it's a stupid song. Why it, play that when you can play "Life Is a Highway" by Tom Cochran? Right, it, it's the most bland white bread song about being a cool criminal, and I hate it. Yeah, and it's <sighs> okay. So here's here's a fun story. Did you know that the Hard, Hard Rock Cafe Company used to have a theme park? No. It was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and it was only open for two years. And I got to go to it one time, and there was a wooden roller coaster themed around the Eagles, and it was called Life in the Fast Lane. And it was exactly as exciting as listening to Life in the Fast Lane is. It's the God. worst roller, one of the worst roller coasters I've ever been on. How is something, I don't ride roller coasters, I have inner ear problems. Right. Uh, to like, how is a roller coaster like good versus bad? It, well, it's just, you know, you, you've got your steep drops and your your fast turns, and it's just not steep enough, or not fast enough, not exciting enough. It's just, it's, oh. it's like a roller yeah. coaster for grandma, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when across the theme park, on the other side of the theme park, there is a gigantic steel roller coaster. Uh, themed all around Led Zeppelin and there's like twists and turns and like a hundred loops and it's amazing and then you look over there and like there's the piece of shit Eagles coaster <laughs> all of this tracks yeah all of this like it makes sense they're like we're gonna design a shitty roller coaster for shitty for the shitty Don, Don Henley music <laughs> amazing Ugh. so uh Glenn Fry said that this song was a inspired by he was out driving around with his drug dealer mm-hmm. and his drug deal he told this drug dealer to slow down and the guy's like no this is life in the fast lane baby and it's like that's the most 70s fucking thing i've ever heard in my life jeez everything about this just keeps getting like more and more 70s like the fact that this like wasn't presented on macrame <laughs> or came in a corduroy cover it's the only thing that keeps it from being like excessively 70s wooden roller coasters sure to make you lose your mind no get out of here <laughs> but yeah do, do you get it though like dugan is late for work and he's driving his car really fast and they play life in the fast lane because this is a clever movie for cool people i know like this i was glad that my my pirated copy on youtube cut this out <laughs> it's like the one saving grace Wow. Yeah, that's that's, I, that's I see, the thing is this movie sort of exists to have nothing but music playing and then some very jumbled dialogue, none of which is memorable because right. it just jumps from song to song. Because up next, um, is Fly Like an Eagle. Yeah. 
So I don't know, Steve Miller Band. Let's go to the songs that is probably okay i guess but it's i've fine. heard it so many times that i've like come to hate it you know i kind of assumed we would have talked about this on an episode about space jam but yes. you know li- life is is funny like that and <laughs> we know and like i don't mind that version so much it's all right um but we were having like a weird Steve Miller renaissance mm-hmm. in the 90s because uh, Magic Carpet Ride was used in every film. Yeah. From 1996 to 2001. That's true. Um, but this. Uh, I don't know. It's got, again, that 70s fake deepness to it. Yeah. And like, the, there's kind of this weird laid back vibe to it that. Uh, Part of me wants to just chill out and listen to stuff like this, but then another part of me thinks like this is all a fake put on, right? Like they're not actually yeah. this chill out, this chilled out. Yeah, it definitely smells like somebody's basement. Yeah, that's got like incense and weed. Yeah, and somebody is w- wearing an ankle bracelet that it has bells on it. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect to Steve Miller, because like as I've gotten older, I've kind of gotten more, uh, grown more of an appreciation for Steve Miller. And his band, but like, I still can't get over the, the just the feeling of of Fly Like an Eagle just being f- seeming phony, you know? It it's super phony. Yeah. So it's no, they're terrible. Um, the only thing I really appreciate Steve Miller for right now is like when they inducted him into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he basically used his acceptance speech to tell the Rock Hall to go fuck themselves. Because they gave him a free t- a free pass, but they made his band pay for it. Well, maybe they shouldn't have been in the fucking Steve Miller band. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, you think about that. They inducted Steve well, Miller, not the Steve Miller money? band. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Look, there's only one good member of the Steve Miller band. And it was Boz Skaggs. <laughs> Point taken. Oh, it's true. <laughs> um, no, I just like like you said. There, it's so just sort of fake and terrible, uh, but. There also exists another version of it. A third version? A third version. Uh, Um, I'm listening. There's there's multiple covers of Fly Like an Eagle, and it's frequently sampled. Um, You know, we, of course, know the Space Jam version. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Limp Bizkit uh, referenced kind of the the song's hook on their song Crushed, which featured on the soundtrack to the film End of Days. God, um, why am I not surprised? Yeah, that see that really tracks. Um, and Thundercat, who has uh, worked with Michael McDonald and Kenny Loggins on his album Drunk, um, covered this on the soundtrack to Minions: The Rise of Gru. You know, I saw that movie. I don't even remember that. It's a bad song for bad people. It's a bad movie for bad kids. And like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like one day I want to talk about one of the Minions movies only because I put forth that if you set up the Minions to follow supervillains, the Minions would have been part of the Third Reich. 
I think they actually referenced that in one of the movies. It's locked them up. Um, yeah, or something like that. But like you know, they would have. Yeah, it's like wow, that's a really careful avoidance of the fact that the minions would have, like, from the gas chambers. Yeah, that's a very decorative lampshade you just put on that movie. <laughs> yeah, and um, I think maybe that's why like boomers really fucking love minions because minions are secretly white supremacists. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. The only thing I'll say about uh, Minions, The Rise of Gru, is that anytime I'm doing billboarding school info on the Billboard website and it gets to a movie soundtrack that they don't have like a JPEG for, it will just automatically sub in the soundtrack album for Minions to The Rise of Gru. Upsets me. Every single time. Like the first time I did it, I, I thought it was like a glitch and something was wrong. No, it's just that's how their website works. And now every time I go there and I see it, it's the funniest thing ever. That makes me so sad. Because, like, I'll be scrolling through it. I'll be looking for stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, here's, you know, the the soundtrack for, um, oh, so I'm trying to think of a, of a, a movie off the top of my head right now. Oh, here's the soundtrack for Santa Claus the movie. There's Is it a picture of, of a David Huddleston and Santa Claus? No, it's a picture of <laughs> baby Steve Carell and three minions. We should but, be talking about Fly Like an Eagle right now. <laughs> we are in the many ways in which it poisons society no thank you steve miller i did know a guy whose favorite band was the steve miller band mm-hmm. um i knew him back in college he was like the first sort of libertarian goon i ever met and oh, looking back i realized like he was constantly trying to neg me Ew. but i was i was so beautiful and self-confident that it didn't work <laughs> good for you <laughs> like, i was just like i was finally like hitting my stride into being hot yeah and there was like nothing that this like six two beanpole could tell me that would convince me that I wasn't the hottest chick in the world. You didn't have time for that shit. I know, and like I didn't even think about it. Like it did not occur to me. Like Chad thinks my cheeks are fat. Like <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I'm beautiful. I'm the most beautiful woman here. Who gives a shit? Yeah, like, yeah. Nice try. Like congratulations, Chad. You picked the one girl with just rock solid. Self-esteem. Hey, to try and neg. You're not of, even good at that. Speaking of pickup artist bullshit, you know who shows up when Fly Like an Eagle's playing? Martin Mull is in the movie, everybody. Yes. <laughs> Martin Mull's my favorite part of this, not just because he played Colonel Mustard in the Clue movie. This is also true. Like he he's kind of the best character. And if the movie had just been about him being a fucking wacko, I think I might have actually liked it. Yes. Now one of them apparently says um the phrase what it is mama is rock and roll yeah now if anybody said that to me i would punch them in the dick yeah i would punch them so hard that their great-grandchildren would be impotent (laughs) i guess they wouldn't have great-grandchildren because they would be impotent but the point is well they would be adopted and and karma will do its magic uh yes (laughs) but that you know that the guy who says that plays the worst musical music imaginable. Like, you know, he's really into fish. Yep. Yep. And he thinks that patchouli is a substitute for a shower. Yeah. Yeah. We also meet, uh, I guess, what passes as our film's villain, which is Regis Lamar. He's the new sales manager. But mm-hmm. they, they're not about that. They're not about, like, selling out. They're too busy playing. Hold on. Uh, let me check my nose here. Oh, Steve Miller. <laughs> they don't want to be all corporate. They have to play 
Tom Petty. Uh, remind me real quick. What what has Fly Like an Eagle been used to advertise lately? I don't know. Actually, every Just everything from like Nike to the fucking post office, you know? Oh, yeah. Only yeah. everything. Although my first thought was, was it used in like a Viagra ad that I would have gotten on YouTube? <laughs> I feel like that is appropriate for like some sort of black market Viagra that they can't tell you the name of because if they tell you the name of it, they legally are required to tell you that it could cause your face to turn inside out. And honestly, if these guys really truly cared about music, they wouldn't be playing the Eagles. Well, yeah, it's true. I mean, and they, they they're quick to point out that like, you know, the the corporate guys at the was Billings Industries, you know, uh, what do they care about our audience? What do they care about music? All they care about is money. Yeah, they're a corporation. Like <laughs> of course. Like it's again, you're not like some little underground radio station playing local bands you're playing literally the biggest hits of the 70s as they were the biggest hits of the 70s exactly like this is you this are is in real time you are literally top 40 radio what are you talking about <laughs> um and already like at this point i've already tapped out of the film because yeah. it is so static and so terrible and so transparent so like, um, but like this the, is about 15 minutes in yeah and so like the first the first hint of a plot shows up when Regis is like he's coming in there to help them tur- turn the station around and make them number one in their market because, you know, the station needs to start turning a profit. And so their plan to turn a profit is they're going to steal a Linda Ronstadt concert that another radio station is is sponsoring and they're going to broadcast it on their station. OK, like and, and and of course the the sales rep guy has nothing to do with this. Like that's it, it, not what he was brought there to do, but they're going to do it anyway. Yes. Um, and when they come up with this plan, Martin Mole starts replying like, "Oh, the word he uses is pisser. That's a pisser. That's a pisser of an idea." Like again, who talks like this? I'm amazed that you could pick up the dialogue in this film because I really couldn't. I uh, maybe because you have a super great like. 4k with all sorts of great audio channels and i'm just watching it ripped on youtube but the mix was so off i like to think that that's the authentic mix that i would have heard in the theaters Mm, i'm just being muddled everybody talking over each other and too fast and the music turned up way too loud that's yeah you're right that's more authentic this is my my version is like an ai reapproximation of what the film might have been oh great (laughs) um so I want to, we'll talk about concert recordings later on, yeah. but um, we meet Doc, who's the country DJ, um, who is also apparently proud to be Italian, yet they do not play Holly and the Italians the right to be Italian because it hasn't been released yet. It's mm. a delightful album, right. um, if you haven't listened to it. Um, but they play good ads for people. They want to make that clear. Right, yeah. Like good local ads for local people, but then they're like, "Oh, this is too good. We have to play foreigners cold as ice." <laughs> you have to ruin everybody's good time by playing some foreigner. Um, and uh, the next hour will be commercial free, so unfortunately, you will not have a break from the worst music you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> Here's foreigner with cold as. Ice.
Warner story before. You have. I remember um, this. About seeing them. I don't remember if they played Cold as Ice. They probably did, or maybe they saved it for the encore. It still remains my happiest concert memory. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I still hate Foreigner. I, I think they are so cheesy and so dumb. I am I am not a fan of Foreigner. Like, it, And it, my, my one note for this was like, it had to be Cold as Ice. <laughs> like it could... Like, it couldn't have been any other song. I, I am not a fan of Cold as Ice. Like, it couldn't have been Hot Blooded. It couldn't have been uh, Feels Like the First Time. It couldn't have been... Jukebox Hero? Well, Jukebox Hero is fine. I was going to go with Double Vision. Uh, That's even worse. <laughs> like, it couldn't have been any of those. Like, it had to be Cold as Ice. I just... that Something about that song just, like, grates on my soul. I Being, like, different lyrics. Like, she's cold as ice. She likes to chase all the mice. Oh, yeah. You sing it to your cat. Well, I can't hear this song without thinking about Job from Aggressive Development just pounding it out on a keyboard. No, I'm not a fan of this. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I feel like I'm dumping on like every I'm going to dump on every song that's that's on this album. And I'm not. It's just they're they're picking all the lamest ones right now. Yeah, they, they kind of start up with some lame ones. Um, also, the techs have uh, lab coats for some reason. Sure, why not? Yeah, it's just like their techs. Um, like yeah, Bobby, the tech guy. Like he's his thing is that he's he's trying to like practice to be a DJ one day, but like no, they just want him to fix the tape deck. <sighs> um, but he does say, um, Dugan has actually a a good line, which is kind of our motto, which is you have to talk to the audience like you're talking to friends. Exactly. Yeah, and that's always kind of been our the way we do this podcast yeah yeah it's really like you're our friends which is why we make you listen to foreigner um <laughs> we also yeah. get uh we meet mother uh mother eileen brennan yes also a clue alumni that's she right played, uh mrs peacock miss peacock yeah that's right um clue is such a good movie clue is great this is a terrible movie but Clue is great and has two of the cast members. So, and um, you know, I wish Clue had a soundtrack, but the only song I can think of from Clue uh, was was in Roadhouse. So just go listen to our Roadhouse episode. Exactly. Um, and also the guy that plays Doc, um, who is uh, Alex Caress, uh, he was also in Blazing Saddles alongside Cleavon Little. Who is he, who is he in the in Blazing Saddles? Oh, he plays uh, Mongo. <gasps> That's right. I didn't even put that together. <laughs> yep. You told me there were two Blazing Saddles people in, the, in this movie, and I kept looking at him, going, "Where is it? Who is this person?" It never occurred to me it would it was Mongo. I'm an idiot. I, All right, perfect. So two from Clue, two from Blazing Saddles, reminding you that you could be watching a better movie. Um, but she is. Uh, she's playing. Bob Seeger and the Silver Bullet Band's Night Moves. So let's go to a clip. Working on my night cheese. Oh, hang on. Wait, that's the wrong record. Let me turn this over. Working on a night moves. Trying to make some front page driving news. Working on a night moves. There it 
is. There's the, that's the one. Now, there's there's just there's one thing that like I I want I have to bring up just because this is the podcast and we're doing this right, but I don't really want to talk about this. Is that the al- the soundtrack cut of Night Moves? Like it cuts out the bridge and the third verse of the song, and I think it's because it's it's the dirtiest part of the song, <laughs> and we're not really going to get into that. But if you know, you know. To night moves like that deep in. It's not one of my favorite songs. Just, just the fact that anyway. they 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 censored night moves for whatever reason just is funny to me. <laughs> Bob Seeger is he's so earnest, mm-hmm. and his songs they're so dumb. Night moves is such a dumb song. Yeah, he he's one of those rock, like old school, like rock and roll guys who like he's like a tr- one of the true believers, I guess. He's just made of denim, and like I respect that. I I get it. Some of his songs I'm I'm a fan of, but you know, Night Moves is just like, like Dad, don't it, tell me about your your, don't tell me about these these awful stories. It's it's well built. It's got a really good hook. Um, I've been thinking about it all day against my will, but. Oh, yeah, it's a great, like, if you're just learning how to play guitar, that's one of the songs you learn because, like, the chord changes are so easy. Yeah. Um, this one, it's not as bad as old-time rock and roll. Ugh. Which is, like, the opposite of FM. It's no the least at cool all. song ever written. Yes, and it's, I sort of, like, put those all together. Like, FM, no static at all. Yeah. Uh, Billy Joel's It's Still Rock and Roll to Me and Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band's uh, Old Time Rock and Roll because Steely Dan is calling for something different, uh, particularly uh, more like black music, uh, reggae, funked up music, so probably disco. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy Joel's like, hey, it's all rock and roll. That's sort of the, you know all lives matter it's like, a, it's like a laissez-faire attitude i'm okay with that yeah, yeah like all these other genres like they're all rock and roll because i'm a white person and i can like co-opt all that love is and love then, is love man yeah okay. yeah and then bob seeger is like don't play any of that gay or black music <laughs> yeah only you know no disco no punk music only white people music but it's also just like a part of that trend. All these rock guys in the 70s who would write songs about how, like, remember how cool rock music was in the 50s and 60s? And it's like, it's like old time rock white and roll. And like, allowed to do it. and like crocodile rock. It's like, that was 20 years ago to you guys. Yeah. If, if, if somebody wrote that song today, it would be a song about like the strokes and the white stripes. And like, I don't need that shut shit. Shut up. I don't you need shut that your mouth. shit in my life. <laughs> Just I don't want to take wanna... the Strokes records off the shelf. <laughs> I'll listen to Reptilica by myself. <laughs> yeah, you will. No one likes that shit. Music still ain't got no soul. I like my 2000s rock and roll. <laughs> We're out of control. <laughs> oh, we've, got like, we've got like 15 more songs, folks. <laughs> Endless. I'm... Um... So okay, uh, and yeah, mother gets a weird call from a pervert, mm-hmm. and some things never change. I guess this seems to happen a lot to her. Yeah, yes. Finally, we get to a good song though, uh, because as Regis is walking around introducing himself to people, uh, we hear the Doobie Brothers. It keeps you running. Yeah. It. You go on leaving 
obviously I don't have to tell you that I fucking love the Doobie Brothers. Oh, of course. Um, this one was um, written by Michael McDonald, later covered by Carly Simon. Mm. Uh, this is not one of my favorite Doobie Brothers songs, but the sort of Michael McDonald era of the Doobie Brothers rocks my world start to finish. You like listening to this, like I, I get it. You know, I don't have a lot to say about this one because it sounds to me just like the Doobie Brothers, but I understand. I understand the the vibe. Also, it's got such a weird tempo to it mm-hmm. uh, that I, it kind of it steps out of what feels like other seventies music. Yeah, and there's so many like layered keyboards in this song. It's it's really unique. It's the Doobie Bounce, right? Right. Um, like it's almost like sing talking in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't love, but sort of admire uh, as it sits with the rest of this soundtrack. Um, and of course, Michael McDonald is the Seal King. I have seen Michael McDonald twice, uh, once solo. And no, I guess, yes, I saw him with the Dukes of September. I've also seen the Doobie Brothers opening for Steely Dan. Oh, nice. Um, and actually they played FM on... Um, on that tour too, the 2018 tour, cool. um, with the Doobies opening, and we all danced in the rain to FM. <laughs> so, um, and that was their first tour uh, following the death of Walter Becker. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, uh, it's a powerful night. But uh, <clears throat> so, like in, in this scene, you know, I think this is when the the sales rep comes around and he starts talking to getting getting to know the crew, and he walks in to. Uh, uh, Martin Mull's recording booth. He's on Martin Mull's on the phone, trying yelling at his agent to get him a gig hosting a game show because yes. he does not want to be a, a radio DJ forever. And he's just like this the the greasiest, slimiest motherfucker. And he looks like a He Man action figure that nobody wants. He looks like a French He Man action figure with that little blonde mustache. Yes. <laughs> Um, and he's sort of he has kind of the romantic station uh he's kind of the delilah of the 70s um Hmm. yeah i guess so yeah yeah and he says isn't it time we return to real feelings like love or in this movie's case pure hatred (laughs) yes by this time i'm actively wishing for this film's demise we're about 20 minutes in Um, there's a long way to go yeah, we briefly hear Tom Petty's American Girl right. playing in the background. And mm-hmm. then for some reason, we are now at a Jimmy Buffett concert. Right, because Dugan takes Regis to a Jimmy Buffett concert, even though Regis straight up says to him, oh, I'm not really into music. Gr- okay, great. So then Jimmy Buffett's on I guess stage. he wants to torture him. No, I can't say that. We love our parrot head. <laughs> well, we love you and we're sorry for your loss. Uh, yeah, yeah. I went. We, we went to Margaritaville in December to pay our respects. Oh, that's really beautiful of you. That's so. le- less of a joke than I, I really would would like. <laughs> Mostly because we went there. We went to Mar- the Margaritaville in, in Myrtle Beach because we wanted to see how it was decorated for Christmas, and we were not disappointed. Oh, I bet that's incredible. I bet it, that's so beautifully tacky. It it really it really <laughs> truly was. I if I I think I took some pictures. If I have one, I'll put it on our uh, our social. Please. That sounds delightful. <laughs> but uh, Jimmy Buffett here is performing Livingston Saturday Night. Little clip.
as I've become an older, more mellow, dad-adjacent person, I've come to respect Jimmy Buffett more. Yes. And I don't know I, what that says about me. I, I've made my peace with Jimmy Buffett. Uh, the Parrot Heads were very good to us after Walter Becker died, and mm-hmm. we, of course, returned the favor uh, when he passed away last year. Right. Um, come Monday makes me really emotional, but Cheeseburger in Paradise and Margaritaville make me want to kill people. Um, <laughs> they're the sonic equivalent of your sock falling down in your shoe. That's a very specific uh, reference point there, Libby. Yes. Um, this happened to they, you or something? Yes. <laughs> Today, in fact. <laughs> uh, this movie cursed me. Um, Oof. But I actually, like, I respect Jimmy Buffett for his commitment to his bit. And actually, I did like this song a lot. It had, like, a good vibe. I, yeah, I, I dug this song. And my one note for it was that I was going to say it's basically Cheeseburger in Paradise. And then I looked up the album, Son of a Son of a Sailor. And wouldn't you know it, Livingston Saturday Night's right there on the album, right next to Cheeseburger in Paradise. <laughs> yeah. The people get the cheeseburgers. Yeah. At the end. Um... <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's, it's a fun song. It's and it's got a good rock and roll energy. I did go to a Jimmy Buffett Jimmy Buffett tribute act mm. uh, with my friend Thor, and it was again one of the more fun concerts I've ever been to. There were beach balls and just shenanigans. It was really fun, and you know we did fins up and everything. So uh, all love to the Parrot Heads. It's not necessarily for me, although I'll give you guys uh, Livingston Saturday Night. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not going to give you pencil thin mustache. I'm sorry. That's fair. That is not happening. That is fair. Like I'm I'm fine with the parrot heads now. I used to not be about it because like the last thing I wanted to do was get drunk and go to a dumb Jimmy Buffett concert. But now at this point in my life, yeah, maybe <laughs> I'm OK. I, so, I get this it. is from the guy who missed Smash Mouth at the Cheerwine Festival. Uh, I'm never going to live that down. You're not because Steve Smash Mouth is dead. He's dead, Joe. And we but- killed him. <laughs> Well, don't say things you can't take back. Jeez. But you know, Smash Mouth does have a new singer. And Cheerwine does still exist, so it's possible. Not the same. Okay, fair enough. It's not the same. Fair enough. We'll make an enemy out of him, too. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. He'll he'll milkshake duck himself soon enough. <laughs> to find a new enemy. It's like... Michael Buble is just not that fun. Yeah, and he only comes out at Christmas. He emerges from his cocoon of skulls. <laughs> As soon as they thought Mariah Carey, he just like slinks right out of there too. Yeah, oh, like boy. he's her Krampus. <laughs> he, st- he walks around stuffing, st- stuffing unsuspecting moms into his bag. Oh my god! Now we'll, we'll find a new nemesis. I have a feeling Limp gets up for up for grabs. Yeah, and of course, you know, <clears throat> going back to Jimmy Buffett for a second, this is not the first movie we've covered that's featured Jimmy Buffett. Because I found out today, apparently he is an extra in the movie Repo Man. Oh, yeah. Which I did not know. And now I have to that go rewatch Repo Man. Cheers. Rock on, Jimmy Buffett. I was sad that he didn't perform Come Monday. Because that's my favorite Jimmy Buffett song. It reminds me of my friend Winita. But they are going to save the whales. That's what this concert is for. Right. And it's a it's a concert sponsored by uh, Q Sky and, and uh, Dugan. So and that's it. That's the end of that scene. Yep, you know seriously. their hearts in the right place because they're helping Jimmy Buffett save the whales. Yes, but seriously, this film lurches from one scene to the next. Right, because so they're the, just like at a Jimmy Buffett concert, and the next scene. 
in the next scene, they slowly like feed you the next plot pellet because, oh, Regis is in cahoots with the military to do something. We don't know yet. Yeah. Like, why are, why are you talking to these British policemen? What is happening? Right. <laughs> but we don't care because a hot babe in a like blinding crest white set. Mm hmm. Walks in to Q Sky while Steely Dan's Do It Again plays. Let's go to a mouth earlier because this was the last time we talked about do it again they do a cover of it on the me myself and irene soundtrack and now we're finally able to present you with the original that's true yes here yeah. it is i'm again another song that just has that iconic intro i uh, that real shuffle uh, it's one of the steely dance only... that, that you know even i've heard a bajillion times yes i love this song i'm um, I've only heard them do this once and it was on a more recent tour. I think mm. it was 2019. I saw them perform. This it was one of the last shows I saw before COVID. Oh, wow. Literally it went, um, battle beast, steely Dan, Elvis Costello. That was it. Mm. The last, per- the last artist I saw before COVID was weird Al, And I'm fine with that. It's great. <laughs> um, but this song is, I mean, it's classic Steely Dan again. It's the one you're most likely to hear in the grocery store. Um, right. And for a while, um, this was one that Donald Fagan wouldn't sing. At that point, Don, uh, David Palmer would, uh, would cover it. Oh, okay. So, um, any particular but, reason? Like, was he just not like, was he sick of that song or what? So Donald Fagan had like crippling stage fright uh, okay. and didn't think his voice was very good. So um, on the Can't Buy a Thrill album and tour, they had David Palmer um, who sang Brooklyn. Donald Palmer did uh, Dirty Work, uh, sang on uh, Change of the Guard, uh, sang on Only a Fool Would Say That. And turn that heartbeat over again. So in this scene, uh, this this buxom young lady that, that saunters into the stadium, the character's name is Dolores Deluxe. She is 200% a stripper. Absolutely. She immediately goes into Martin Mull's booth and they get busy in the booth and they press the button and you hear all the sex noises on the air. Yes. She Great. shows him her boobs and he gets blown on live radio. And she tries yeah. to play off as folk music from France. Like, bro, we all know you were playing Steely Dan. We can hear it. <laughs> I mixed and, together a new sound effects record. <laughs> yes, with folk music from France. And the sounds of love. Yeah, I don't think so, my Bullshit. dude. Bullshit. Yeah, this is terrible. Yeah. And then I guess because everyone needs a cold shower, he puts on a James Taylor, Your Smiling Face. Yeah. I thought I was in love a couple of times before with the girl next door, but that was long before I met you. Now I'm sure that I won't forget you. And I thank my lucky stars 
just another lady. Soft spot for James Taylor. I think because my mom used to sing these sweet baby James mm-hmm. as a lullaby. And it is like the softest of soft rock. And I wouldn't be caught dead ever admitting like listening to folk music. But I fucking love me some James Taylor of Mexico. Such a banger. Mm-hmm. Um, just I think about sweet baby James every time I'm on the Mass Pike. Uh, just wall to wall jams. This one. <sighs> This one's like too corny. I like it, but it's extremely mom rock. Oh, you're you're not wrong. Yeah, it's it's very, it's it's even more light FM than like most of the songs on this album. Oh yeah, this is the lightest of light FM. Yeah, um, it's but I like if it comes on my local radio station, like I'm turning it up. Mm-hmm. I know it's corny, but I contain multitudes. What can I say? Yeah. I mean, like James Taylor, I'm again, I'm fine with because, you know, one of his signature songs is Carolina in my mind. My dad, my dad went to UNC. So that's like that's like his favorite song ever in the world. Heard it hundred thousand times growing up. So I will always have a soft spot for that. It's gentle and soft. Like It's the softest music in the world. Like uh, fire and rain. Heartbreak. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And it's just like his songs about friendship way better than anything randy newman could ever write yeah i'll give you that like james there's just something so like friendly and warm about james taylor you know i got no problem with him agreed (laughs) no problem whatsoever that said i don't want to listen to him after sex no that's like the last thing i want to hear it's a little too happy and upbeat for that you're just like oh boy yikes um, so it's at this point in the film that the ratings come in. And guess what? Q-Sky is the number one station in Los Angeles. That's the most depressing thing I've ever heard in my life. Because they just played, yeah, your smiling face and do it again. And like yeah. on, on the back of that, they're the number one station in L.A. They're just like, we can't hear, you know, Boston anyplace else. So this nope. is our number one station. And remember, they brought... A, a sales rep to come in and help them boost their ratings. And it, yeah, it so happens at the end of the movie, right? Yeah. It's a little it, short, but we did it. Congratulations. Job, we did it. No effort was expended at all. Thank God. Okay. Well, this has been a really fun podcast, so I'm going to head out. Um, yeah. Um, good night, everybody. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. <laughs> no, just kidding. There's an hour and a half left in this fucking movie. Oh God. No. <laughs> um, so, Everybody celebrates with a big bottle of champagne, and we hear uh, Foreigners feels like the first time over the radio. Just not on the soundtrack. Not on the soundtrack. Uh, but they do notice that the, the, one, the one part of the station that's not performing well is, is Doc Holliday's uh, country programming block. So Dugan has to do the awkward thing and go fire Doc at his home where he's pr- target shooting with his six-shooter. Yeah, and I like to think that they fired Doc because his music wasn't mainstream enough. Like, he was pulling, like, some really, like, deep country cuts, and they're like, no, play whatever the 70s equivalent of Blake Shelton is. I mean... He's like, no, my integrity. He was playing Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard, and they were like, do you have anything more cool? (laughs) No. he's like, no, doesn't get any more cool than Merle. So That's right. Um, poor guy but so oh they offer him am and he's like am's not where i'm at the thing about this scene 
again, a scene that we've just lurched into. Yeah. Is Duke and on a cowboy hat to go see Doc? I think he did. The man invented cringe. Like he's trying to he's trying to meet his employees where they are, and it's just not working. Yeah, it's just it's cringe. It's Ugh. so cringe. Um, but they bring in Laura. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also bring in Lieutenant Bill Reach, who is played by I forget the actor's name, but he's the brother of his. his it's James Keach, brother of Stacy Keach. Yes, <laughs> and he he looks it. But this guy, his, this guy is a piece of work. His job is to come in here and sell Dugan on running a series of army recruitment commercials in the guise of like the dorkiest pop rock you've ever heard. Yes, but also they smoke what is either grass or opium. He is laughing like a character out of Reefer Madness. <laughs> yeah. And all I could, like my note here. The actual note I wrote is, why is God doing this to me? <laughs> and that this is a Dagwood sandwich of cringe and stupidity. I think this was the point in the movie where you texted me and was like, what the fuck have we done? Yeah, this is <laughs> at this point, I declared that this was the worst film we've ever done. Yes. And we say that having just talked about the original Steely Dan track, knowing that the last time we talked about do it again, it was on me, myself and Irene. Yes, another real movie that we actually watched. Like, this somehow blows that out of the water for just cringe and stupidity. Mm-hmm. But this so, is a bafflingly dumb movie. Right. So, of course, Dugan says, no, we don't want to do this. Why do we have to run army recruitment ads? You know, the, the Vietnam War is over. And also, why? But, you know, n- again, no conflict. He, It's just... They don't know how to write a conflict in a move in a motion picture. Are you kidding me? Oh, so they just like lurch to Tower Records. They just go to Tower Records where Ario Speedwagon is there and they're doing a signing event. I couldn't like I couldn't follow. Everyone just sort of looked vaguely 70s. So yeah, I guess that makes sense. Well they're and they, well, they're playing Ride in the Storm out on the soundtrack. So I was, right. was like, oh, that must be Ario Speedwagon. Oh, oh yeah, that is Ario Speedwagon. So that's what they're there for. And then Mother is there like broadcasting from the store. Meanwhile, Regis is trying to hit on her, which is hilarious. And she says she makes it a practice not to be involved socially with anybody in the business, which is probably a good idea since each of them looks like a different venereal disease. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, this scene kind of comes and goes like nothing again. (laughs) In this film. Again, nothing of any consequence has happened yet. Easy come, easy go. Uh, next scene, Jeff then tries to sell Regis on letting the station do their own version of army recruitment ad- ads. And Regis says, like, no, you have to run the ones that we brought. They're, meanwhile, they're playing Fleetwood Mac's Don't Stop on the radio. Anger that's not on the soundtrack. Right. It seems like the songs that aren't on the, the songs that are in the film but not on the soundtrack are so much better than the ones that are on the soundtrack. Give me Fleetwood Mac any day. For real, please. But instead, since they want a band that fought all the time... Um, we're going to play, uh, life's been good to me so far by former Eagle Joe Walsh. All right. I guess if we have to. I get this song mixed up with Rocky Mountain Way every fucking time. 
song mixed up with the Joker by Steve Miller band. Also fair. Yeah. Which I also, cause again, it's like a talk song. Mm-hmm. I hate this song. Like that goes without saying, but I think cause it reminds me of a guy I knew in college who not Chad, mm-hmm. but who used to hang out with my friend, Dan and he sucked. And this was his favorite song. Jeez. I know. And I'm just like, how did I know so many dorks in college when I was so hot? I, I, How is that possible? Dan liked the Smashing Pumpkins and looked like Rory Cochran in Empire Records. Dan was super hot. Um, still is. But his dumb friend like has somehow poisoned me. A guy I can't even remember his fucking name. <laughs> but I still picture his dumb meathead face when I hear Joe Walsh saying life is uh life's been good. Yeah. And, and like- it's just again the most like smug 70s. Like, oh, the rock and roll lifestyle is so great, but also, like, it kind of isn't. Like, I don't know. I'm just an eagle. I do a bunch of drugs. Like, there is nothing more embarrassing than a, a, a song about a rock star singing about how cool they are. Yeah, but also, like, it's sort of ironic because it's, like... Oh, you know, yeah, because like, he has to pretend to be down to earth when you know, like, no, you do have a mansion. You do have a Maserati. Go fuck yourself. Like, it's also, like, yeah, like, life's been good, but I can't drive my Maserati. Things are so hard for me. Like, shut up. Yeah. like Shut up. You're in the Eagles. I hate you so much. I, I, I hate to say this because I know how it sounds, but seriously, Joe Walsh, just shut up and play the hits. <laughs> you know? The problem is this is a hit. I know. It's just like, how about just <laughs> shut up? How about don't play the hits? How about don't play any of this? This is all terrible. Go back to the Drew Carey um, show, man. Fuck you. <laughs> Um, but this is their gear enough for Linda Rodstadt. Mm-hmm. Which, um, hey, wait, wait a minute. Aren't they the number one station in the country? In yeah, in LA right now. I believe you're right. But they're still going to go through with this plan of hijacking a Linda Rodstadt concert. Yes, and it involves, I believe, car pranks. Yes, because they're going to take, they're going to like lead the the manager of the rival station on like a wild goose chase before he gets to the concert so that he doesn't know what they're doing. Yes, and they hook up and um uh Linda Rodset plays Tumbling Dice, mm-hmm. which is the originally Rolling Stones song. Let's go to a clip. She also plays uh, Warren Zevon's Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me. Yes. Let's go to that clip. It was it was at this point in the movie where I started to wonder, is the rest of the movie just going to be a Linda Rodstadt concert? And then I had to do the calculation. Am I OK with that? And you know what? I was. See, I wasn't. And I hate her. And I cannot I cannot tell you why, because I do not know a single Linda Rodstadt song until I heard these. Mm-hmm. I don't like her cover of Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me, and I never will. I'm. Um, 
I appreciate that she swapped the genders and added some different verses. Like, that's cute. But Jackson Brown encouraged her, and I don't want to encourage Jackson Brown. <laughs> um, I just don't like her. There's so, she sets off something in my brain that I can't stand. I mean, I, I've always thought of her as the female James Taylor, and I know what I know how that sounds. See, that somehow makes it worse. Does it? Like, I just don't like those sort of like gooey 70s women. But then again, I really like Carly Simon, but only in small doses. And I don't know, maybe that's internal internalized misogyny or just that her voice irritates me and makes me want to throw up. Yeah, I mean, I understand that, though. And like, explain it. Like for me, like the Linda Ronstadt song, I always go because I'm a fucking sci-fi dork is blue by you and it's only because that's the song that they chose to end the stephen king movie Dreamcatcher with and it's the dumbest song choice in the history of mankind fascinating it, not really it's just stupid it's a fine song but like to end your alien invasion story with blue by you is like the choice of a crazy person <laughs> <laughs> i don't know maybe i'd like it if morrissey covered it that's how i feel about uh joan Baez. ah uh, okay who i also hate but Morrissey's version of Don't Interrupt the Sorrow is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. It's stunning. <laughs> okay. I'll... It really is. Like, I can't explain it. I don't like it either, dude. Uh, um, I, I'll, your your love-hate relationship with Morrissey is uh, a long and storied one, and I'm not going to fight it. It's, it's the, the way we all feel about Morrissey. Fair. Um, but yeah, this... the. There is a 20-minute segment that is just live footage of Linda Ronstadt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, like, if with the plot of this movie being so loose and, like, non-existent, if this had just become a concert by the, the last half of it, I wouldn't have minded. That said. Yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about these radio broadcasts like they're doing. Okay. One of the things you can find... um if you know where to look a lot of times on discogs um, or places that do repressings, you could start to find some of these radio broadcasts that are being repressed, that are being pulled out of the archives. I have a 1974 uh, Steely Dan radio broadcast and they were on the pretzel logic tour. Ooh, really? Um, which features one of the only recordings of this all too mobile home. Mm-hmm. which they played as the encore. It never made an album. They did play it uh, as part of the encore during the Rarities Night Show where they played the aforementioned second arrangement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a performance of Brooklyn. I don't remember off the top of my head who sings it, but it is not Donald Fagan. He will not sing that song okay. um, in concert. And it's it's a really neat little piece. And what they do is they used to broadcast these in full. They would just broadcast concerts. Oh, wow. And so there'd be a recording of it. Um, and they, they weren't official releases, but a lot of those are starting to make their way onto vinyl. Um, so they're, they're worth looking for. I think I have another one. It's not a radio broadcast, but it's a compilation of uh, recordings from another Steely Dan tour from 1993. Okay. So um, look around, see if you can dig those up. The Internet Archive is also a really great place to find those if you don't need them on vinyl. Oh, yeah, that, that's a, a, an invaluable resource is the Internet Archive. They have everything. Yes. But, um, but any, it's not all fun and Linda Ronstadt. No, but any, any other comments on Tumbling Dice or Poor, Poor, Beautiful Me? I... 
that song. Yeah, I, I don't mind Tumbling Dice just because, like, yeah, it's a Rolling Stones song and you can tell. But uh, other than that, I recognize Poor Poor Pitiful Me because you had put that on a Warren Ziva mixtape for me at one point, and I appreciate that. Same. I recognize that. I was like, I know that song because of Libby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, moving Glad on. It. So after the, the help. after the Linda Ronstadt concert, um, Bobby is it, the Bobby the tech is put on the news broadcast beat on the radio station, and so he we're coming out of players. Baby come back, and then Bobby does the news, and it's nearly ruined when Eric uh, Martin Mull will not refuses to go on the air after him. So it's just like dead silence after the news. Yes, broadcast. because he's received news that he did not get the uh, game show gig. Right, and Kathy, who I don't even know who that is. Um, one of his girlfriends, I guess. The blonde one, uh, sure. Yeah. Um, has run off with his agent. Right. So Eric is is moping. And he's not going to be on the air and, until Bobby basically forces him to. And so he, he plays it off. Like, this is the movie's idea of a joke. Where he says, what you were just listening to was Marcel Marceau's new single. Yes, please go to hell, Eric. <laughs> Gross. Okay. Fine. Whatever. But then Eric goes on this wild, like, broadcasting rampage of his. I don't even know what to call it. He's losing his mind on the air. Yes, he's playing um, a human harpy and lamenting in the way that only a man who desperately needs therapy, Mm -hmm. but only has records, can do. Right. Um, he is moaning about how he wants someone to hold his hand and he's going to play a song and that this can be our song um, and plays Billy Joel's Just the Way You Are, which tracks. Let's go to yeah. a clip. Some new fashion Don't change the color of your hair mm-hmm. You always have mine Unspoken passion Although I might not seem to care I think about this song a lot because this song sounds like what someone would sing to you when they're sewing your mouth closed. Like it has huge Criminal Minds serial killer vibe like a guy who kidnaps women and like makes them into dolls. It's like, don't go changing your hair. Like, I don't want clever conversation. Like, don't change your style. I love you just the way you are. Like, you must exist only for my pleasure and viewing. I don't want to work that hard. Like, I please don't be smart because I'm Billy Joel and I'm drunk most of the time. Please be just like my perfect child bride. This song is like a psycho killer. Qu'est-ce que c'est? <laughs> well played. My feeling on Billy Joel is basically like, I don't understand how anyone can be so worked up about him, good or bad. Like, it's like having an opinion on paint drying. But then this song comes on and like, oh, yeah, I get it. This sucks. This is awful. Yes, this song sucks. (laughs) It's like, really? The guy who wrote for the longest time, you have an opinion about that? Well, yeah, that song sucks, too. Well, yeah, like that's... Doo-wop now because I found a doo-wop record. To, to me, that's like, okay, this guy's doing a song. This is just, like you said, this is what a serial killer thinks about when he goes to sleep at night. <laughs> this is as he's like painting the toenails of some woman whose rigor mortis is finally set in. Like. Mm-hmm. 
but while this this but while this song is playing, while this is going on, and Eric is having his this mental breakdown on the air, all these women start showing up in the station lobby to try and like console him. Yeah, to try to take a mustache ride. And it's the closest the movie comes to having some kind of a joke. Oh my god, I was laughing so hard at this point. I was like, this is now the funniest movie that has ever existed, but I was laughing because he was so like deep in his lamentations and they were so funny. Oh yeah. Um, it's it's very ironic, but it's also like, okay, I I I accept this. This is a good bit. He I was definitely laughing at him, not with him. Right. Um, but also like it, just like with the concert, I, my brain went, if this is what the rest of the movie's going to be about, I'm okay with that. Yeah. He gets really explicit and he's like, I want to feel again. Who's going to walk hand in hand with me? Like I'm just pointing and laughing. It's like, I loved watching him meltdown. Oh yeah. Beautiful. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) And he later has to like punch a cushion and suck his thumb. (sighs) Yeah. As, uh, as Dugan consoles him. And outward in a sea of pussy parts. And yeah, he, I just had a stuff on mental image just then. But you're right. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Mother tells Dugan that she's quitting after the tonight's shift as Boston's more than a feeling plays. So can we move on and talk about uh, Boston now? We can. Okie doke. Let's do it. Again, a song that I've heard a million times in my life and am basically fine with and I have nothing to say about. Oh, this is one of those like you definitely rock out when you hear it, like in your, when you're in the grocery store. Oh, yeah. It's, t- it's, it's just like it encourages the rock. It's totally think, fine. Yes. Yes. Um, but it has a connection to one of our previous episodes. Not this song, but the band Boston. Do you know what it is? I want to say it's heavy metal, but I might be wrong. It's not heavy metal. Okay. But um, the Space Ghost episode, Curling Flower Space, Zorak reports that he has been uh, picked up as the keyboardist for Boston. (laughs) Awesome. A spaceship with the Boston logo beams him up and they rock around the universe. Excellent. Excellent. Good for Zorak. So I I just assume that... um, Zorak is playing on this. That's that's where I would want him to end up, honestly. Good playing for, for Boston and rocking around the world. Yeah, yeah. This, this... But again, like this, this <laughs> movie has an amazing way of picking the absolute wrong song for the scene. Right, because like I said, Mother is quitting her job, and more than a feeling is playing. It's just like blasting and rocking out so hard. And she's like, I'm sick of getting calls from perverts and I'd like to go to sleep at a regular hour. And he's like, no. Um, and then it's just like, more than a feeling. It makes no sense. It does. This movie has gone so far off the rails at this point. Nobody knows what's happening. It's just, it's a free for all. It's a melee. It's chaos. It's like watching it's, a little kid madness. play with action figures in the backyard. They're just like smashing Boba Fett and Jean-Luc Picard together. 
<laughs> smashing a Billy Joel action figure into a Jimmy Buffett action figure. He's like, yeah, they fight now. Yeah, exactly. That is what that's exactly what is happening. Yeah. Um, but her last song is Dan Fogelberg. There's a place in the world for a gambler. Let's go to a clip. This song makes me want to be dead. (laughs) I just, I hear Dan Fogelberg's voice and it's just like, I just want to lie down and not listen to music anymore. I hate Dan Fogelberg. I hate him so much. (laughs) I, I, I can't explain why. Um, did he write that like same old old lang sign? Like, there's only one song in my life about a gambler, and this is not it, Chief. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's um same old odd lang sign. I hate that song so much. Oh I yeah, hate this song, and I hate Dan Fogelberg, and he just he is the sonic equivalent of listening to a balloon deflate. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm looking at a picture of him now, and yeah, like this, he he's he's Dugan. Dugan looks just like this guy. He does and. No. Also, he says the word lover, and it's just like he should be in jail. Yeah, you should be like having having that haircut and and calling anyone lover. It's just like an automatic do not pass go, do not collect two hundred dollars, go straight to jail. Yeah, directly to jail. I know. Uh, but in this, in this scene again, because nothing matters, and and you know the points don't matter. Laura is confronting mother about her decision to quit the, the job. And and mother has to explain to her why you know she because she's older than everybody at the sta- else at the station and she's like I don't want to be a rock and roller for the rest of my life and like I and she says like I've been at this for so long and I feel like I'm missing something I don't this is not what my life is supposed to be and like Dan Fogelberg is playing yeah like do you <laughs> what what do you want you want to just like go home and wear a crocheted vest and be a housewife and like run into Dan Fogelberg at the grocery store I I suppose like what do you want. What do you want from this? I, I want to quit my job and and retire as a human tea cozy. <laughs> and you have to be OK with that. Uh, communism is just a red herring. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then, OK, so then <laughs> she's like, sometimes you need to set it free. And it's like that set us free from this movie, Eileen. You're the only one that can save us. Martin Mull is out there, you know, deep sea diving. Yeah, we're doing whatever he's doing. But folks, we promise you, we are so close to the end. We're on my last page of notes. <laughs> because now, you know, the suits have shown up at the studio with uh, the army guys, and they are dressing down Dugan because he is refusing to play these army recruitment ads on the air. Remember how that was the plot of the movie? Oh, uh, yeah. But while he's being dressed down in the other room, Tom Petty is literally in the booth as they're interviewing him and Breakdown is playing over the air. <laughs> And neither of them sound like a good interview because they're just like, yeah, your song. He's like, yeah. You can tell Tom Petty does not want to be in this movie. You can tell that nobody wants to be in this movie. But like he, but, um, him especially. He is so like checked out and bored. He's like, what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> Man, I miss Tom Petty. I do too. Um, so let's, uh, let's go to Breakdown. Sure. Baby, break down. Go ahead, give it to me. Break down, honey, take me through the
I, I kind of go hot and cold on Tom Petty, but this is one that I really do like. One that I'm a little cooler on. Um, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a Tom Petty fan. I like all the, the hits, but it, the hits that I like, I love with all of my heart. Mm, that's fair, um, yeah. Running Down the Dream plays frequently at my grocery store, mm-hmm. Yeah, which is awesome. You, you, that's my favorite Tom Petty song. It's like that and Don't Come Around Here No More because the video terrified me as a child. Oh, of course. Yeah, that was a terrifying video. I think I just more connect with like the vibe and like the, the tempo of breakdown more than like, you know, I'm going to say it. I'm not a fan of American girl. <laughs> I'm just not. Oh, I love that song. And I, I get it. Like I get that like American girls are all about the song. Cause that's about them. And y'all can have that. Not for me. Um, here comes my girl better. My, uh, my ex put that on a mix he made for me. And so it always reminds me very softly of him. Um, so I'm like, Oh, that's actually, that's really sweet you piece of crap um <laughs> but like breakdown definitely like has its like rocking moments and, mm-hmm. like you feel it um it's got a good groove to it that's like very chill and i like that yeah but also that. like low-key aggressive it, yeah exactly i like that um it's not the song i would have picked for the soundtrack but it makes sense yeah so. i'm i mean i'm shocked that they picked one that i liked finally <laughs> yeah you finally got one i finally got um, one that said, it's really super fun to play, um, like, Don't Come Around Here No More and um, Mary Jane's Last Dance while you're playing American McGee's Alice. <laughs> that's, times. that's cool. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, Dugan quits because he's not going to give in to society's demands for him. Mm-hmm. He won't, uh, he, he won't back down, again. as it were. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they probably ban him from playing that. Because exactly. Tom Petty doesn't want to be associated with that kind of show. Right. So, um, the Prince of Darkness playing Life in the Fast Lane and then Southern Man. Yeah. Neil Young's Southern Man. Not on the soundtrack, but a good song. And then we all have to uh, band together to save the radio station. It, They're on strike. There are no commercials. Including Mother, who comes back to help them like take over the station. Of course. Of course she does. So And they, they plan this like wacky uh montage of them getting ready to take over the station. And it's what song is it set to? It is set to Lido Shuffle by <laughs> Boz Skaggs. Yeah, let's go to a clip of that one. So hard. This is such a fun song. This is like it's I'm always torn between like what my favorite boss gag song is. I think it's low down, but this is in second place. Okay. Cause it just like this song makes you want to just like do a crime and jump out on the road. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is definitely a, a uh a getaway driving song, you know? Like you just robbed a bank. <laughs> I, I it occurred to me listening to this for this album that I don't actually know the words to Lido Shuffle. I just know like the whale, the whales in the chorus, and that's <laughs> fine with me. Yeah, that's um, great. We had a we wanted to put together a little band when I was in grad school, and this was going to be one of our songs. Oh, really? <laughs> so I was going to sing vocals on it. Nice. Uh, so I have a real soft spot for uh, Lido Shuffle, mm-hmm. but um, it's not the song because it's about breaking out. 
not breaking in. Mm-hmm. But they're like, it's the seventies. We're legally required to play Boskags. Sure. It's just like every turntable came with a copy of Silk Degrees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so like, Bosca- I don't even know where I got my Boskags records. Honestly, I think they just they showed up at my house. Like they're like, you have a turntable. Time for some Bos. I think you're like legally required to have a Bod Skaggs album in like any hand-me-down box of records that you've ever been given. Yeah, it's either Silk Degrees or Middleman. Fair enough, I have, yeah. I have a bunch of them. I love Boz. Do but you have a copy of uh, Middleman? I probably do. I, th- I think in, in my uncle's box of records that he left me, I think there's one in there, yeah. Okay. For sure. Double check. I'll double check that later. JoJo's good, too. But... um so while the song is playing, you know, the, the the crew is getting themselves ready to barricade themselves in the station. They're bringing in groceries. They went to the, the hardware women are store. Making sandwiches. <laughs> the women are making sandwiches. It's the most exciting song I've ever heard to the most boring montage ever. Yes. Because again, <laughs> this movie was made. This movie was made by. I don't want to be mean. I'm so, I so don't want to be mean, but this movie was made by committee that has never made a movie before in their entire lives this is like it's honestly like it it feels like ai wrote it it does it's just like give me empire records but make it old people Mm -hmm. but like again this is one of those points in the movie movie where oh my god something actually happened yes and 15 minutes to go and this is finally what the movie's about (laughs) yeah they're on strike they're playing music no commercials um, and one of the things that they play is Queen's We Will Rock You. Oh, yes. Buddy, you're a boy, make a big noise, playing in the street, gonna be a big man someday. You got mud on your face, you big disgrace, kicking your can all over the place, singing We Will, We I'm pretty sure this is the first movie to ever use We Will Rock You. It is the first movie to ever use Queen on the soundtrack. That as well, yes. Because the News of the World album came out in 77. This movie came out in 78. So, yeah. Yep. This is our first appearance of Queen, and we owe them an apology. This is true. Yes. And so they're playing We Will Rock You, and they're, like, going out on the ledge. Um, And it's like, I don't think that you will rock me. I don't think you should make promises that you can't keep. <laughs> because not only are they playing We Will Rock You, a, a, a mob has swarmed the, the streets outside the station, and they're all stomping and clapping to We Will Rock You. Yes. Um, also, did you notice, like, there's so much blue in that crowd? For some reason, everyone is wearing, like, the same shade of blue. It's very weird. I did That's notice. That's this film's it's, color palette. It's all because- denim. Yes. And but like really like very rich blue denim. Um, And at one point, Dugan's pants match the secretary's dress. Like there's a lot of very deliberate blues in there. And I have no idea why. Um, Because you got to stand up for the blues, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't think it was that deliberate. Um, No. This movie isn't smart enough to do something cool like that. But speaking of big disgraces, (laughs) uh, Dugan is coming out. And... uh, yeah, he's yelling at like the, hyping up the crowd. He's hyping up the crowd. He's yelling at the cops. The the corporate uh his his corporate boss shows up to like read him the riot act and everything. They dump commercial tape on him. Yeah. He's like, this station is much 
yours as it is ours. And I would be embarrassed if somebody told me that. Yeah. Like, oh, could I like, have This a- isn't my station. I was just trying. I was just running out to get ice cream. I didn't mean to get caught up in this. Oh, it's 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 mine. You say, can I have a job here, please? No. Yeah. Why not? It's part mine. Yeah. Cause I'm going to play the fucking Fontanelles. <laughs> get on here and I'm going to play the hits of Doris Wishman films. <laughs> So yeah, this is nuts. we're gonna play the soundtrack to Spirited like eight times in a row. <laughs> this is not a promise y'all want to keep, everybody. <laughs> yeah, you do not want me in charge of it. Oh man! So this is now the Cherry Pop and Daddy Station. You you would love that. You would absolutely love running the Cherry Pop and Daddy Station. I would, and also just so you all know, Three to Tango is on Tubi. Oh boy! Yes, the swing movie we're not covering, but I saw that. I was like, Ian, put that on our Tubi list. He's like, why? And I said, I'm going to watch it without you and never speak to me again. But but the only thing I'll say about We Will Rock You is while I was listening to this, something occurred to me. My fa- I think I've mentioned this to you before. My favorite thing about like any rock song is like it's right after the first chorus, right before the fir- second verse, when the band is like so locked in and you know that like the song is going to like hit you hard. And I feel that in We Will Rock You. And it's just stomps and claps. It's the most bizarre thing to me. But like I get chills in that moment of that song. I don't know why. It's adorable. I love that. I love that for you. <laughs> um, it's this and Hell's Bells by ACDC. This is the only two songs I feel that about. That's so cute. Um, the only thing I could think of during this song, and I do, I love Queen, um, as we've discussed previously, but um, for me, listening to this and watching this movie, I was thinking of uh, Crow in The Final Sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You're singing to Rouse Dower like you got mud on your face. Big disgrace stuffing those sandwiches into your face. <laughs> and that's how I felt about this movie. Yeah. Because they were they had sandwiches. They're a big disgrace. This is true. Um, yeah. It, it worked. But there are definitely, again, some like white people, summer camp shenanigans. Cops come in, in and order them to vacate and they spray them with a hose. Yeah. This movie suddenly becomes do the white thing and it's very uncomfortable. <sighs> <laughs> and like you're doing this like a riot breaks out they're tipping over cars and like y'all are doing this for like bob seeger <laughs> yeah y'all are so desperate to hear night moves that you're gonna set cars on fire what is wrong with you yeah yeah this is life in the fast lane fuck off you're about to hit like the punk scene and this is what you're like. You're going to be most passionate about is the chance to hear more than a feeling at four o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. Mm-hmm. That is not worth tipping a car over. It's not for. worth going to jail for because you will go to jail for tipping a cop car over. It's just the, the dumbest thing. And then Dugan's like, hey, we just all need to chill and I don't know, smoke some grass or whatever. And everyone's like, yeah, you're right. The end. Well, he gets to that point because he nearly like pu- pushes a cop off a ledge. And he's like, whoa, I almost murdered somebody. <laughs> But also, like, while that's going on, we hear Foghat's Slow Ride, another song that's not on the soundtrack, but should have been. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'll take Slow Ride over Foreigner any day of the week. Oh, they're both equally bad. The 70s were a bad time. Like, honestly, with the exception of Yacht Rock, 70s were just not worth having. No, I guess guess what I'll say about... (laughs) about Foghead is like, I don't know what to do with myself when I hear a foreigner song. When I hear a Foghat song, all I can think of is, I need a beer. <laughs> <laughs> foreigner song, you're like, am I going through a divorce? Yeah, it feels like the first time. <laughs> the day is saved at the very end of the film because Mr. Billings, the owner of the entire goddamn company, 
to my Shield fans is not Steve Billings, uh, David Marciano. I was very disappointed to find this out as well. Mm-hmm. It's just this little old man in a gigantic cowboy hat. And he just comes, he shows up at the protest to tell Dugan that he's like 100% behind him and he supports what he's doing. And he's like, I'm going to let the station do whatever the fuck they want. And the day is just magically saved. Yes. And then we get the reprise of FM. Yep. And it's. And a freeze frame. It's a separate track. So we'll play that as well. Right. just an instrumental version of fm right it's delightful oh yeah it's good there's extended sax outro and you know i don't know if there's other songs during the end credits because i shut the movie off at exactly this moment i was done done. um and ian has actually been thinking a lot about the freeze frame ending Mm -hmm. and like why that has phased out yeah he was wondering your thoughts on it because we've watched a couple the last couple weeks that have the freeze frame ending. Actually, I might have an answer for this, and it's probably wrong, but I feel it's right in my heart, which is that, you know, the TV series Police Squad would do a thing where every episode would end with a freeze frame, but they were faking the freeze frames, and you could see that they were all just standing in place as still as they could. And, like, that was the joke. And, like, once they did that, like, there was no reason to do a real freeze frame ever again. That's all I got. Interesting. It's a shame that the Naked Gun movies never did that because that would have been great. But it would have been hysterical. Yeah, but those like, movies are great. But the, like the original series did that for every episode, so that's kind of the best way to the the best like way to take down the freeze frame ending is to just make fun of it like that. I guess yeah, because we watched Quick Change and that had a freeze frame ending, and then so did a couple others. Mm-hmm. Um, that he was kind of interested in it when that phased out. You know, nowadays it's just a joke when they do a freeze frame, but they used to do it all the time. Yeah. So including in FM. It, um, yeah. it, it also, it might just be, how, how do I word this? That might've just been like the easiest way they knew how to like cut, stop the film, you know, just freeze frame it and put some credits. Who cares? Interesting. I yeah, I don't know the answer to this question. <laughs> but thank the Lord for small favors. FM is over. <laughs> yes, we did it, everyone. Congratulations to us. Happy New Year. What do you think of this album? Uh, the album, I think, is a probably a little bit of an essential for a collection mm-hmm. because it does have such a wide variety of like the hits you love. Um, so it's a good one to just kind of throw on. Um, I didn't love all the hits, but it really does have something for everybody. Um, in fact, I hated most of the songs on here personally, <laughs> but I recognize that other people will like them. So it, it does have a good sort of party vibe. Um, what about you? Yeah, I agree. Like it's, if you had to explain to somebody what like seventies classic rock was, this album is basically it. Yeah. Then we should probably send this up into space mm-hmm. just to let aliens know, like, this is what the seventies sounded like. Um, we didn't even talk about Randy Meisner's bad man. We didn't. No, we're not going to, um, it's too late now. You had your chance, Randy. Tough. Um, yeah, tough shit, Doug. Um, and this, this movie is terrible. This is an awful, awful movie. Yeah. Like it's not even fun. Ironically, it's just such an inert, like uninteresting thing. Like it's, 
like we can't even come up with any kind of interesting like analysis of it because it's just so bland and so uninterested in its own like story and characters it just kind of sits on your head like how how do you how do you waste Cleavon Little and Martin Mull in a movie? FM has the answer. Eileen Brennan. And Eileen Brennan, yeah. It's just baffling. It is. It really is. I get I, I get why this was the 75th biggest movie of 1978. <laughs> <laughs> Behind the bad news bears go to Japan. Exactly. Ugh. But FM, good riddance. Yes. So we're we're changing the station, and what will we land on next week? Next week we're going to stay in the same ballpark, but it's a different decade. We're going to go with the 1994 uh, rock and roll movie Airheads, heck yeah, which has finally appeared on Hulu. So we're going to try and strike while that iron is hot. <laughs> yes, indeed. We've been waiting for this one for a while. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a hard one to find. So, you know, it's we're bringing back Brendan Fraser. We're bringing back Adam Sandler. We're gonna have some old friends here on the show and it's gonna be a real good time i'm excited i know i'm looking forward to this i haven't seen airheads in a long time yeah so it holds up so libby uh where can our listeners find you online you can find me on twitter at libby cudmore i don't post there very often so you may want to follow me over on blue sky i'm also uh on instagram record underscore saturday and while misbehaven is on hiatus hopefully we'll be back up on that one soon joe where can we find you you can find me on all the socials twitter instagram blue sky everywhere at cordial wombat or if you'd like to hear me holler about Christmas movies on my other podcast, Christmas Creeps, it's at Christmas Creeps on all the socials. Uh, we're getting, we're gearing up for our 2024 season. It's our 10th season of Christmas Creeps. That's incredible. Why am I still doing this? I don't know. <laughs> because it's fun. That's why we it do is this. Fun. Uh, if you want to send us anything at all, you can tweet at us blue sky at us whatever at ost party or email us at ost party pod at gmail.com and i would also recommend you check out the twitters because we're gonna put up a poll or two for this fm soundtrack and it's gonna get mm -hmm. wild yes while we can yeah while it's gonna be wild while we can it's gonna be as wild as an fm soundtrack twi uh, twitter poll could possibly be yeesh all right folks we have talked for almost two straight hours it's time to go so my name is joseph wade i'm libby cudmore <laughs> buy the ticket take the ride